This is the American Medical Association's COVID-19 Update Podcast. This is part of an ongoing series featuring critical insights from the physicians and healthcare professionals on the front lines of the pandemic. Hello, this is the American Medical Association's COVID-19 update. Today, we're talking to Dr. Paul Minardi, President and Executive Medical Director of Washington Permanente Medical Group in Seattle, about vaccine distribution and administration. Uh, Dr. Minardi, since the rollout in December, Washington Permanente has played a key role in getting shots into arms. Can you tell us about the current state of your vaccine program? So thank you, uh, Todd, and good morning. Um, we began this uh, endeavor about eight weeks ago, uh, and we've delivered about 46,000, going on 47,000 vaccinations. We have a very, very um, a simple approach to this, but spent a lot of time in planning. We were a key part of the original research uh, during phase one, uh, phase two, and three, um, where we um, were very involved in the uh, testing, if you will, of the vaccination during those phases. We also have one of our physicians as a key partner in uh, terms of the Western states evaluation for safety and efficacy. So we have spent a lot of time on planning and it's been a very robust planning uh, approach uh, and we've created something that's really simple and easy for most folks to understand uh, as well as to get through the process. Our door to needle time is about five to 10 minutes. Wow, that's incredible. I think, you know, the word planning is one of the kind of the key words you said there, because I, I get the sense that, you know, when you look across the United States and you see kind of the unevenness of the rollout, you know, that planning had to have been essential. What, you know, what do you think others can do to, you know, learn from your experience thus far? I think it's, for us, it was kind of a little bit more simplistic. We have a defined population. We understood exactly where each one of the phases were. We have identified all the people in that population, both at a state level, local level, and also inside of the organization level. And we're able to define then how many uh, vaccines will we need, in what locations, uh, and then what process will we need in people, process, and systems to be able to bring that all together and, and harmonize and orchestrate the entire end-to-end -end process. We did several um, um, sites uh, with simulation to begin with before we even began to vaccinate. Um, and we were able to really work out all the inefficiencies and, and create the, effic the efficiency as well as the efficacy of the entire process. And we couldn't be more proud of what we've, what we've done. Uh, and we've continued to improve since we embarked on vaccinating the population. I'm curious when you you know went through that planning process and kind of those trial runs there. What did you what did you learn in terms of you know the obstacles that you were running into or kind of the bottlenecks in the in the in the process that inform how you're approaching this right now? I think really key in all of this was that w the supply of vaccine is limited, so let's treat it like the most precious commodity on the planet for the moment, and let's begin to think about. How many patients, how many doses, and let's make them equivalent and to the absolute number. So that was first piece. The second piece, as we went through the process of how do we want to uh, have people into our, into our buildings, safety, efficiency, social distancing, all key and important. Um, the screening questions to make sure that we had people really deeply understanding um, the, the risks associated with vaccine so that they were really apprised and understood. We had a massive uh, um, uh, communication strategy up front in terms of our membership as well as the community to make sure that people did understand uh, if they qualified and where they were in line, so to speak, uh, for the vaccine. And when you harmonize all of those individual pieces together, communication, understanding who's eligible, having a process to make sure that we're able to link 
link a patient to appointment that is very simple and easy, um, as well as a process to door to needle in five to 10 minutes. It's amazing. There's one other thing I wanna say, patients, people, members, the population at large, so excited to be vaccinated. Um, and so um, this was an incredible experience as I've worked at a couple of the vaccination clinics to see people coming, coming in so excited to be vaccinated. Uh, and so delighted with the process. And as a matter of fact, many patients have written into the local paper, Seattle Times, um, talking about what kind of experience they had at Kaiser Permanente that, was, uh, that they were marked on that was so remarkably easy and simple and quick. That's uh, amazing. I'm one of those really excited people. Can't wait to get my vaccine. Did you actually, you know, the, the platform, having seen my mother grow th uh, through this, for instance, just difficult to, you know, find out about and sign up for? Did you have to build those systems yourself? What did you do? So in preparation for the launch, um, we had built what we call an e-visit um, so that it checks for eligibility. Are you, are you in the right phase? Uh, and then also links that eligibility directly to an appointment. Um, when at the height of uh, uh, the um, opportunity for people to be uh, vaccinated as we went uh, uh, through uh, tier B1, um, there was a lot of traffic both on the phone as well as on the platform. We were running about 600 e-visits an hour, and um, which was pretty tremendous and about 25,000 calls in the call center. Um, so there was an initial surge, but we crafted and created um, each one of the components both on phone and voice as well as um, a web and um, uh, app to make sure that we harmonized and we were able and capable to be able to manage all of that. And one of the learnings from all of this is the surge is gonna happen with every time there's an announcement. So every system in the country, as we think about this together, we need to be prepared for those, what I'd like to call and euphemistically call Black Friday events, so that we've got the ability to be able to manage that kind of, of volume in the moment to be able to get people what it is they need, both information as well as that vital appointment to be vaccinated. Mm -hmm. Yeah, listening to you, I mean, that's uh, in my digital world, we call that end-to-end -end process experience. And it sounds like you're accounting for, you know, the whole spectrum from uh, communication into the uh, actual vaccination is so important in that. Right. And you mentioned before, too, you know, supply uh, is obviously a huge limiting factor. The Biden administration announced a uh, 16% weekly increase of vaccine allocation to each of the states. You know, what else can state and federal officials do to support health systems with their vaccine rollouts? You know, um, we, we are limited uh, in, this, in this sense. Uh, we already have maximum production happening. Um, and so we have the maximum off the line production occurring right now. There's an opportunity though, um, reading just recently that um, one of the vaccinate, vaccination suppliers, Moderna, has actually got something clever in mind, thinking of filling every vial with yet five more uh, uh, doses. Um, and that would increase by about 50% what's in a vial. That could massively change, be a game changer in terms of our ability to get more volume into those vials and therefore um, with the same vials, we'll be able to get to more patients, more members, more, more in the population. So that's a critical thing. That is right now, I think, in FDA approval status. Um, Johnson & Johnson, another fabulous opportunity for us. Uh, it'll be looked at for emergency use authorization the 26th of February. We look forward to that that will give us yet more supply. And because it doesn't require the cold chain that does the Moderna and the Pfizer vaccine, um, it'll enable us to do this um, very, very simply, much easier to manage, simple, one um, shot, 
one opportunity to, to, to vaccinate. Uh, and so that limits um, basically the the two vaccines down to a single vaccine, what makes this a little bit simpler, can be kept in the refrigerator, makes the handling much more simpler. Um, and so I think with that additional capability, um, that would be remarkable for us because that too will bolster the opportunity for us to get to more lives and be able to get us to the next tier into the next phase. In addition, it's the recasting, if you will, and the redistribution where we're not using vaccine. Let's get those vaccines where we can use them. So I know that there's more emphasis now on taking some of the vaccine, for instance, in California uh, from um, some of the pharmacies and getting them uh, into the population at large, into Kaiser Permanente in particular, that will be helpful. I think more by, more, uh, by far and away, the most important thing though, is we need to keep a constant um, a state of communication to the population at large. Here's what we're doing. Here's where we're at. This is how we're aligning the states. We need to try and avoid what's happening now, what I call the vaccine hunters. They are going from county to county, state to state, to try and find vaccine. We need to eliminate that because where our endpoint is, we want to create the opportunity for every every community to get community immunity. And we can do that best by keeping people in place and by making sure that we've got um, the proper inventory, the inventory controls, supply chain to be able to get vaccine to everyone uh, um, uh, to the best possible uh, way that we can. So it's aligning, it's communication, it's having a real clear um, sense instead of the murkiness that I think we have sustained with what the supply and inventory looks like, uh, because that will be critical for the governors then to announce to the population. So um, it's really transparency and the ability for us um, to really understand deeply what is there, what is supply, and to eliminate the vaccine hunters as well as maybe some of the misunderstanding about how the vaccine's been distributed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I read an article yesterday about vaccine envy, uh, certainly a result of what you're kind of laying out there when uh, there's so much uncertainty. You took care of the nation. It's time for the nation to take care of you. The AMA stood by America's physicians and patients during the pandemic, and we're not stopping there. We're fixing prior authorization, leading the charge on Medicare payment reform, supporting telehealth, fighting scope creep, and reducing physician burnout. It's time to rebuild, and the AMA is ready. To learn more about the AMA Recovery Plan for America's Physicians, go to ama-assn.org slash time to rebuild. When you talk about communications, I have a couple of uh, questions to ask you. You know, have there been any kind of lessons learned in terms of communicating to people, uh, you know, multiple challenges there, but just, you know, the logistics part and then, you know, countering misinformation and vaccine hesitancy. What have you learned? So there's so much to be said here. Um, This is by far and away, I think, the most important thing. As I mentioned, most people are very, very happy. About 70% of the patients can't wait, the population rather, can't wait to get um, vaccinated. Um, And so I'll call those the early adopters. We also have late adopters. We know that 30% that are a little hesitant at the moment, they're hesitant because of science. We are collectively as a country a victim of the incredible science, the incredible decade-long journey that uh, messenger RNA vaccines have gone through to where we had um, the genomic uh, sequencing done, a vaccine uh, um, created in basically a few days. Uh, and then testing and into um, the population at large in about 10 months. That's amazing. That's created a lot of angst by many in that 30%. But out of that 30%, about 60% of those folks have said, you know, I'll take that vaccine in about a year. 
So I'll call those late adopters. So I think for the most part, it's the speed by which the vaccine came to market created a lot of, um, uh, I think, um, concern because it's atypical from what we've seen in the past where it takes decades to get a vaccine using older methodologies. So really, I think the um, science is brilliant. The people that worked on this are brilliant. The opportunity for uh, uh, us as a country to really get this uh, to market in 10 months is remarkable, but that's part of the issue. Now, beyond that, it's communication. It's really deeply understanding um, uh, the confusion that exists around all of these tiers. Um, and so communicating and, and creating both public service announcements through the state, through the Department of Health, through the Public Health Department, as well as the organizations, I think can't, could not be more critical and really creating that um, bi-directionality of communication, not only pushing information to people, and we've done it in a variety of different ways, email, regular letters, uh, and all the information on our platform, to be able to really help people to understand supply and demand, the issues that we have in terms of the eligibility, the tiering, when folks' turns come up, uh, and really to help to continuously inform them. We've also done something really remarkable and novel here, which is going directly to employer groups and making it incredibly clear through webinars what all this means to them and their employees. So that's another channel that we found really, really impactful. And so the companies uh, and the organizations that have got both membership as well as non-membership, if you will, in Kaiser Permanente speak, the opportunity to really inform their populations of employees as to what's happening and where we're going as a, as a state. Well, so all, that, of those things, all of those things together really harmonize the communication strategy, I think, in a remarkable way. I'm just going to follow up on you know uh, one particular audience. There's been so yeah. much question about uh, getting kids back to school. Uh, I, it was recently announced that the Washington Office of uh, Superintendent of Public Instruction is partnering with Washington Permanente to get vaccine shots to teachers. Uh, can you talk about that program? Delighted to. Um, we, ha we have a series of town halls that we put on since the pandemic began every Tuesday night. Um, and through that um, town hall um, capability has brought information to all of our people consistently. So we have a single source of truth. We invite guests to the town hall. One of the guests that we had uh, in summer was the superintendent of schools. And why? Because we have so many people that have been concerned about their kids and learning and what's happening and the interruption that this has created in their lives that they really wanted to know more directly from the superintendent. So we invited the superintendent. Chris is a fabulous person. Um, and so uh, there was a great relationship that was created with um, Kaiser Permanente, the Washington Permanente Medical Group with him in the moment. Um, and we, um, the, the schools represent a large part of the population that we serve. Um, there's about 155,000 school teachers, uh, both in public and private sector, uh, and a great opportunity for directly with them to set up 14 to 20 sites, in addition to Kaiser Permanente sites, but sites on uh, their school campuses, gymnasiums and so on, for us to come in when the time is right, when the tier B12 occurs, for us to then begin the vaccination process and to get teachers vaccinated. We think that could not be more important to give them the safety and security that they feel that they need and that we feel that they need in order for us to go back to school. It acts as an incredible backstop for them. So that in addition to all of the other things that we need to be doing, hand washing, social distancing for kids, uh, and the opportunity to have air exchange in the classrooms properly, uh, and to um, have all of the hand hygiene that we need. This will serve as a yet another priority and backstop for them to get everyone back to school, to get in-person learning back in. We think it's critical on a number of different fronts uh, and a remarkable opportunity for us to um, create this partnership 
to get kids back to school. Dr. Minardi, I've heard kind of three key ingredients to your success. One is in the planning, one is in the communication, and the third is kind of that high-level operational approach that you've taken uh, that allowed you really to be successful in this. Are there any other you know, pieces of advice or secrets you know, that you can tell and offer other health systems and practices on how to achieve a more effective rollout? I think by far and away is actually um, the, the notion of simulation, putting all of those pieces together, getting people, getting a focus group, bringing in people to say, this is what this looks like. How does this feel? Does this meet um, your need? We have an advisory consumer group here that we, we actively participate in to make sure that everything we're doing resonates with people, resonates with consumers, makes it easy to understand. Then simulation um, outside of communication with Here's the process. Let's put our people through that. Let's stress test this. Let's make absolutely sure we've got this right. And I think those are the key ingredients by practically ensuring that what we've done makes great sense and is safe and is efficient and is incredibly a wonderful experience for folks. Because at the end of the day, they become the best ambassadors for others to become vaccinated. They become the best people with um, um, telling their truths, if you will, to other family and friends. And what we need as a community is to create that that synchronous herd immunity that will avoid all the variants, that will avoid the fourth wave, uh, if you will, and really end the pandemic in a robust way by all of us working together, but very differently. Well, thank you so much. You know, seeing it work uh, definitely makes me feel more hopeful and even more excited. So thank you uh, for the work that you're doing and to the Washington Permanente Group. Uh, that's it for today's COVID-19 update. We'll be back with another segment shortly. For details on COVID-19, visit ama-assn.org slash COVID-19. Thanks for joining us. Please take care. This content was originally published as part of the AMA's COVID-19 daily video updates. Find the latest at ama-assn.org slash COVID update. Subscribe to other great AMA podcasts available wherever you listen to yours or visit ama-assn.org slash podcasts. Thank you for listening.